turn to a passage of scripture that um, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, it's a, it's a little book. Actually, Paul wrote two letters to the Thessalonian church. They were a very new church. And, and, and so he wrote these two letters. And I want to go to chapter 5 and verse 3 verses. Three verses. It's probably some of the smallest verses you've ever read in the Bible. It's like uh, very short. So it says um, there, and I, just a little bit of it, quickly, a bit of background story in regards to this letter. The Thessalonian church was in Greece. It's in modern day, northern part of Greece today. It's there. And um, it, it had been a very newly planted little church. They had a synagogue, which is like a temple or a, uh, like church. And uh, they'd been persecuted already. They'd been persecuted by the locals, who, who, particularly the religious leaders who were envious that this church was growing and there was like hundreds of people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, especially a lot of Greek people coming. And so the religious leaders of the day didn't like that because the Christians had more converts than the Ju- and Judaism or Jews. And so they persecuted the Christians there. And Paul writes this letter and he encourages them. And, and, and it wasn't just because of the persecution, but he encourages them certainly with these words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Well, by the way, before I forget, Lord just reminded me, we were singing that song, Grace Rewrote My Story. Remember that line? Someone today says it's just that you need to know that. God, wants to, God has rewritten your story, so maybe for one, stop looking at what it, life was, you've been forgiven and God loves you. You know, and, and two, you, you need to believe that. God, grace rewrites our story. So stop going, don't let it go over in your mind. You kick those thoughts out. That, oh, I've done this, I've done that. Hey, it's a new future, hey, in God. He rewrites the story. For someone, maybe more than one person today, you need to know that and hear that. Um, you say, well, I've done this, I've done that, I've been bad, I'm wicked. Hey, you know what? God rewrites the story. It could be a new day. Come on. So uh, I want to encourage you with that. So how about we just go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. It just says this. Here's the first verse. Two words, rejoice always. The second verse is three words, pray without ceasing. And then verse 18 has 16 words. In everything, come on, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let me read it again. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. See how Paul makes it very personal? He's talking to the, to the, to the Christians, these new Christians at, at Thessalonica. And he's saying, it's you, it's you. And if he wrote, and, and it's like he could write it today, and it's to you today. We, we could say, hey, that's to me. Because <laughs> these verses relate very particularly to us. And the, and the power of this, this whole thought is, it, is, is that we'll see. It just talks about um, some very key elements I want to just draw out of it. Um, let me say, in 1988, there was a guy who wrote a song. His name was um, Bobby, Bobby, Mc, Bobby McFerrin. Interesting name. He was a musician and a singer in America. And he wrote a song, a very simple song, simple lyrics, but very catchy lyrics, very catchy tune. And it became number one in America and actually other countries as well, even in Australia for a couple of weeks in 1988. And I want to just um, read to you the first opening stanza or the first opening verse. It says, this is how it goes. See if you recognize it. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Come on. Be happy. In every life, we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Come on. Be happy. 
Where I, where I, who remembers that song? Yeah. It was quite catchy, wasn't it? And, you know, the principle, and, and it became number one, not just because I think it was just nice lyrics and catchy tune, but I think the, the reality is, is that the thought and the theme behind the song was all about having happiness in your life and not allowing worry to, um, you know, hijack your life and your thought process. And, you know, that's the truth, isn't it? There, there's an element for all of us where we, if, if we were to say, you know, out of all the things of life, what do you really want? I think everybody just wants an element of joy and happiness in some part of every day. Would you agree? And see, I think what, what Bobby McFerrin wrote in 1988, the 20th century, Paul literally very much is saying that in the very first century. In actually 52 AD, he wrote basically these words, Rejoice always, pray in all things pray. Oh, I should get it right. Pray without ceasing and everything. Give thanks. Because they're really saying the same thing. And I want to draw to your attention this morning the realities <clears throat> that happiness and joy is just not a result of circumstances. We do get joy and happy about circumstances. If you inherit a million dollars, I think that's a joyous moment. Would you agree? <laughs> but the thing is, circumstances change, don't they? And whether they're good or bad, you want to have something more. In the end, at the end of the day, you want to have something more than just nice circumstances because we can also have some pretty bad ones. And if our happiness and joy is dependent upon what happens around us, who knows, that's not going to last for too long. So there's going to be something we're going to have in here. Because that's what Paul's saying. He's, he's, making, he's actually giving a pretty clear command. He says, come on, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. He's making some comments about the choices we make in life and what we're gonna, if we're really going to survive in life, if we're really going to grow as Christians, there's something we really need. And I would like to strongly suggest to you this morning but the, one of the greatest things that's very achievable is to have joy. Because Scripture says, um, in actual fact, it was an Old Testament prophet who wrote this in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. He says this. He says, you know what? The joy of the Lord can be your strength. The joy of the Lord. So obviously when you have joy in your life, and not just your joy, it says the joy of the Lord. Not just your ha-ha, happy, happy moment. No, when God's Holy Ghost empowering of joy comes into your heart, I tell you what, that can be a real strength. Because the word strength literally means, if you would strip back the original Greek word and, and reform it, it really means this, fortified place. And so when, when Nehemiah says, come on you people, because he was building an actual walls of Jerusalem. And he, he says, come on, you people, we've got some enemies, but let the joy of the Lord be your strength. In other words, something within here has, is going to be strengthened when you have the joy of God's, uh, joy, God, the joy of the Lord's joy in your heart. Something's going to change. Something's going to shift. And I want to talk to you today about that because what Paul writes here in these 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 5 is simple keys to living a joy-filled life. I think it makes all the difference. No one wants to live a life that's just like, oh, it, grumpiness and all those type of things. No, God says, I've got something for you. Despite the circumstances that you face, you can have uh, the joy of God's law, which does something powerful in here. So if we were to look at uh, these keys to living a joy-filled life, really simple stuff, verse 16, here's the first, it says this, rejoice always. So here's the key, give God praise. <laughs> You think, well, that's not very profound. No, but it's something that we've got to constantly do. It says, give God praise. You see, giving God praise will allow you to have access to His joy. Okay? You say, how can I get God's joy? Here it is. 
start to give him praise. And it works this way, because it says in Psalm 16, verse 11, your presence is what? Is in your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy. So in his presence is fullness. And if we were to connect Psalm 1611 to Psalm 22.3, it says this, God inhabits the praises of his people. So here we go. It says, or when you praise him, his presence comes into your life. And when his presence comes into your life, his fullness of joy comes into your life. It's when we start to praise him. It's when we start to open our mouth. It's when we start to verbalize it. Because we've got to understand what praise really is. Don't misunderstand it, because 28 times in the New Testament, it says the word praise. And there's many different applications of praise, but it always has two defining factors of praise. And the defining factors of this, that it's expressive and it's vocal. It's expressive and it's vocal. That's the defining factors about praise. You may say, well, just wait a second, my praise is deep. I don't have to get all exuberant about praise. I, I could just praise Him on the inside. I want to say that that's probably not praise. If it's, it might be worship, but it mightn't, it's probably not praise. Because uh, praise is verbal and expressive. Every time we see it, it comes out. Do you know what? You can't stand on the side and watch your football team or your team or whatever team it may be, or maybe in front of your telly. I, I dare you, when they score something, that you don't get a little bit excited. You express something, don't you? And yet God says that, you know, there's the same expression of the excitement that builds in your heart. Let it be towards me. And you know what? As you do, let it come out of your mouth. And you, you don't stand on the side of the field and your team scores and goes, that was so exciting. You don't go, wow, they just scored. <laughs> no, <laughs> it depends, you know. It is all, look, we're all different uh, manifestations of maybe praise in the sense of our outward expression. And, and maybe, maybe you're, a, you're a praiser like this. Praise God. Well, that's good. But... Why don't you lift it next week to another level or tomorrow or this afternoon and go get a bit more excited. Just lift it another notch. See, that's what we're going to... Just God wants to see some expression. It's got to come from the heart, of course. But it's, it's expressive, it's vocal. And um, so we've got to understand that. Look, here's the point. You know, let, it says in Psalm 150 verse 6, Let everything that has what? Breath. Praise the Lord. So did you notice it doesn't say, let everyone who is, an out, um, who is outgoing praise the Lord? No, it, it doesn't even say, everyone who's had a good day praise the Lord. No, and you know what? You don't even have to have a good voice to praise the Lord. It, it doesn't mean everyone who has a recording contract with Sony has to <laughs> praise the Lord. Who said something? And who said that? Is that you, Tony? No. <laughs> oh, Susan, thank you. I didn't want to tell anybody. But you know what? It's true, isn't it? it, it, it if, if, if you've got breath today, <laughs> there's, there's a principle here. It says, hey, praise the Lord if you've got breath. 
Everyone is. And, you know, actually praising God is really powerful. You know, you can do it any time, whether good or bad. But praising God and lifting your voice when things are not going so good, I tell you what, it, it can be incredibly powerful and it can bring shift in your life. I'm going to tell you some of the things you face. There was a situation, Paul and Silas are walking into Philippi. Actually, they're in Philippi, staying there, sharing. And they're going to a prayer meeting. And as they're going to the prayer meeting, they went there every day. It's down by the river, if you read in Acts chapter 19. And um, there was this young girl who was demon-possessed and she would tell fortunes to people. And people, there was some men who owned her and made money out of her telling fortunes. And Paul and Silas, she would follow them and she would cry out things to them. And Paul and Silas got really sick of it. They turned around and they delivered her of the devil. And she's the devil, not the devil. It's like diva. Is that like diva? No, that's something different. Devil. So, she, so she's delivered. She's free of that. And the men who owned her, who were making money out of her telling fortunes, realize they can't make any more money out of her. They get upset about that. You know, money is the, really is the root of, love of it is really is the root of all evil. And, she, and of course, <coughs> they gather a crowd of people and they, ma- they make up accusations against Paul and Silas and they drag him into the, you know, into the town square and beat them with rods. I mean, how would you be? You've just been doing, you've done a good thing and you get beat with rods and then they threw them in jail, into an inner jail and uh, they said to look after that. Now, Paul and Silas have been falsely accused. There's a lot of things happening here that aren't good and it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, listen to this. At midnight, Paul and Silas, what did they do? They prayed and then, this is the, Old King James Version, and saying praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Some significant thoughts right there. But did you notice it says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Um, if you were to take that word at midnight and take it back to the original Greek and then reform it into English, it would be, this is what it can mean, in the middle, in the middle. And quite literally, Paul and Silas were in the middle of the night which is midnight is basically around six hours before sunset, depending on what season it is, and about another six hours generally before sunrise. And so quite literally, they're in the middle of the night. Um, But more than that, figuratively speaking, metaphorically speaking, Paul and Silas were right in the middle of a terrible situation. (laughs) Their backs have been beaten with rods, probably bloodied, they're leaning, their feet, are, feet and hands are in stock. They're sitting on a cold inner prison, which is often damp in those places. And they're sitting there and they decide that, hey, you know, right now, there's something we need to do. And they start to pray and then they start to lift their voice. They get expressive and vocal because the other prisoners heard them and they start to give praises to God. Now, interesting enough, when they started to do that, something dramatic happened. And there was an earthquake and the doors of the prison were flung open. And the jailer who was looking after them thought, mm, what's happened here? Has all the prisoners escaped? And Paul and Silas says, don't, you know, um, no, 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 we're here because he was about to harm himself. He was about to commit suicide because he thought, I'm a dead man if, they, if all the prisoners have escaped. They'll kill me. But Paul says, don't harm yourself. They lead the, prisoner, the jailer to the Lord Jesus. His whole household believes in the Lord Jesus. They all get water baptized into the Lord Jesus that night. And it's an exciting end. And Paul and Silas go back into their prison um, for the night. What a, what a great answer. And it isn't an amazing that when we start to, I want to say, more than often in my life, when I've just given some praise to God in the midst of a difficult time, something starts to shift in around me in the circumstances I face. 
the exciting thing is, but for Paul and Silas, it shifted before there was an earthquake. Because the fact is, something had shifted in their hearts and said, in this miserable situation, we've been falsely accused, we've been physically abused, we've been uh, publicly shamed. We know what? We're not going to stand for this. We're going to let God have the victory here and we're going to um, let him have the victory and we're going to start to praise God. So to, to be even give, have joy or to praise God in the midst of difficult circumstances meant something had already shifted in their hearts. And no matter what happened, they were going, you know what? It's okay because God's God and we're going to trust him and we're going to praise him. I want to tell you what, when you start to praise God, um, you, you get the fullness of his joy start to enter your lives. The fullness of his joy. And it's amazing what you can then do with that attitude or that shift in your heart of joy. It brought about a change in the physical. Not, and, and sometimes giving God praise doesn't change the physical around you, but it does something in here that shifts your attitude from grumpiness to joy, from anxiety to peace, from hopelessness to hope. It just does something as you begin to praise him. See, um, Paul and Silas, in the middle of their worst moment, made a choice to give God their best praise. And when they did, something shifted. I want to tell you, what would your day look like? How different would your day be if you gave him praise every day? Because it says in his, uh, in his presence is fullness of joy. And when we praise, his presence comes and his joy comes, flows with it. Here's the second thing about, about um, living a spirit-filled or living a joy-filled life. Verse 17, the second verse we read today, it says, pray without what? Ceasing. Here we go. Do you know we could connect that to another verse, Philippians 4, 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but with everything by prayer and supplication. What? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The second key to living a spirit-filled life is pray without ceasing. Just to pray. It says, make... By anxious, but be anxious, but in everything by prayer. Everything by prayer. Everything by prayer. I don't think I've lived up to that scripture in my life. Because not everything I've often given, sometimes given to him in prayer. Sometimes I, <coughs> I internalize it and get upset about situations and think, oh, this problem, this problem. And you know what? God says, hey, stop it and start to give it to me in prayer. Talk to me about it. I tell Michelle, which is good, sometimes a burdened shared as a burden halved but you know that's she's not god mind you sometimes i thought she was but the reality is that she's not <laughs> and the truth is is that god can be god and he says you know bring it to me if you're anxious or you're concerned you know bring it to me and everything by prayer do everything in prayer see so there's two reasons why praying to god can give us his joy First of all, when we're stressed or anxious, one of the best things to do is to take the burden off yourself and turn the, pass the burden onto him. God says, I care for you. Cast all your cares upon me because I do care for you. The second reason that we can um, give him, uh, it, you know, it, it gives us joy when we pray is Jesus actually said this in John 16, 24. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full <laughs> there we go ask and receive so that your joy can be full why in the world would you ever get any joy about asking in prayer and seeing answered prayer because folks who doesn't get thankful for about answered prayer who doesn't get excited about answered prayer who doesn't get happy about answered prayer folks i, I think we do i think it's a great thing when god answers our prayer 
we see situations change. And you know, sometimes I think we've got to live our life, stop looking at all the problems and just start to take a moment to count our blessings. And pray. I'm looking at that. Actually, that's the third point I've, I've kind of lent into there. But you know, we see the prayer. We just bring it to him. Often he says, you know what? There's joy when you received answers. And I don't know what your, your situation may be today. But why don't you sometimes take the moment to list or even write down on your phone or in your diary and just list the prayers that you're praying about things that you want to see answered or situations changed. And then when they happen, you can put a date beside it and go, well, let me rejoice in that moment right now. It's been an answered prayer. But until you ask, you'll never have the opportunity to be joyful because you'll never get an answer. But God says that you can have fullness of joy when this prayer is it's asking you shall receive. Man, there's been some things I've received I've been very, very excited about. I, I was just contemplating that this week. Earlier this week, at the start of the week, on Monday, my day off, I, was, I knew there was a situation we had to help a family this week. And, and, um, and though things had been organized, I just knew it was going to take time and effort to do that amongst a, a lot of the to-do list that I had on my piece of paper or my, on my phone, to, uh, this and this and this. And I was so thankful that uh, you know, I was concerned about it. And I was thinking this could happen, this could happen, or it's not going to happen well. And, I, and I, I felt this little rebuke of God, stop it! Stop, because your mind can always go to the worst thoughts when you're trying to work out how a situation should happen or a problem should be dealt with. Isn't that true? Your mind can go to the worst thoughts. Stop it. And so I stopped it. I said, well, God, I just give it to you. And he says, good. You know, kind of. That's what I'm impression this conversation happened. And you know, it was interesting because the family, at the end of the day, on Wednesday when we did it, the family was very much encouraged. I, I was talking to them. They were very much felt cared for. The, the people who were helping um, very much felt like that they had contributed in helping a person, maybe a whole family, has somehow it, it just draw them a little close to the Lord Jesus. And I got some of my list done and I helped as well in, in different parts of the morning and the afternoon. And I felt like I'd achieved things as well. And you know what? I ended up saying, well, God, that worked out for good. And God kind of, another little tiny rebuke. Well, it did because you asked me. <laughs> I said, okay, yeah, point. Oh, back off, God. Yeah. Calm down. Okay. No, he wasn't. God's never like that. But the reality is, is that, you know, sometimes we have not because we ask not. And God says, you know, you've got to ask so your joy could be full. And sometimes we're full of it. We've got the cycle of anxiety that we flow in our lives. And we've got to stop the cycle. And we've got to just ask of God and cast the burden upon him. Talk to him. Pray about it. So ask and receive so that your joy may be full. Not just rejoice in giving things, but ask and receive. Here's the last one. It says in verse 18, and everything give what? Thanks. In everything. In everything give thanks. In everything. You think about it, everything give thanks. Whew. See, the third key to having a joy-filled life is giving thanks. It's giving thanks. Psalm 100 and verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And then if you connect that Psalm 100 verse 4 to Psalm 16 verse 11, which I've already mentioned, it says, in his presence is fullness of joy. So enter his presence with thanksgiving and it's the doorway to joy. Thanksgiving opens the door to joy. And you know, the Israelites, when they'd come... When they finally came into the promised land, they set up this place in Shiloh where the temple was permanently settled. And every Israelite three times a year was meant to come back to that place. Every tribe, every 
Israel, Jewish tribe and family would come back and they'd and, they'd, and when it was their appointed time, they'd come into the temple courts and they'd enter the courts with, with thanksgiving, you know, thanking God for what he'd done for them because God looked after them a lot, you know, previously in the desert and from the Egyptians out of slavery. And so they would give thanks. And that's how they entered God's presence. I want to tell you, when you give thanks, God's presence wants to come and dwell with you. And so as a result of that, joy starts to op- um, come as well. And we can go through life as I said, looking at all what happened, or we can learn to count our blessings. You know, we can be down and uh, down about all the problems, and that's the and, the, and that's the doorway to, to living a fairly miserable life. Or we can be thankful, and it's the gateway to joy. We choose. We choose. Notice it says in Scripture here, in everything give thanks. And I just like to say, not everything. N- it's not thanks, um, not for everything, but in everything. Because there's not everything that is exciting. I'm not excited about COVID. I mean, people in this nation have lost their lives, lost their livelihoods, lost their business, lost their jobs. Families have lost loved ones. It's not been good for some people. I grant you, in a country Queensland, it hasn't really been that bad at all. It's been pretty good. And that's one of the things during COVID, I thought of all this bad stuff, I just need to be thankful thankful for a number of things i was just you know the truth is i was just thinking how could we ever renovated a building if we hadn't had COVID? (laughs) doesn't sound good people died and so we can renovate our building no that's not the connection i want you to make but god turns all things around for good i think when we start to give him thanks to those who love god and so we're able to do that i don't know how in the world we're ever going to renovate a building and still have church on a sunday that was crazy thought but i tried to work that one out and it's probably never going to happen. God says, you know what? Because you know what? We'd built the foyer of this church last year, basically. And then COVID hit in late February, March. And then all of a sudden, we couldn't come to church. And it was an incredible opportunity for us as a church to do what we'd already set in place five years ago. Isn't it amazing, God's timing? But I think, folks, when you give him praise and you give him thanks and you just talk to him about everything, his perfect timing is wonderful. It's amazing. I couldn't have worked it out any better. I couldn't have sorted it out, you know. And I tried to sort it out, you know. Well, we're going to put the chairs in on, you know, on a Friday afternoon, have youth and have church, and then we'll take all the chairs out and then we'll, you know, and how are we going to do How are we going to take a stage from over there to here and how are we going to build it? And I thought, we'll do that in a week. That was a... That was a <laughs> That was never going to happen. But you know what? It's amazing what God can do. What we planned literally five years ago, we had on a wall over here for five years of the plan of this building. Isn't it amazing? You could have think, oh, why didn't you build it within five? Why didn't you do it the first year, the second year? Well, I'm not quite sure. There was all these hoops we had to jump through. But finally, we decided in 2019, let's start. And we started. And then it is amazing how it all lined up with COVID so we could finish it. And I'm thinking, that's amazing, God. He says, well, not amazing to me. That's just the way I operate. But, you know, I think it comes out of our attitude of gratitude and thankfulness and praise and just talking, giving it to God. So I've discovered if we don't thank God for things, if we don't thank God for things, if we don't have an, uh, you know, because it says in everything give praise, we don't thank him for, for, for in everything. 
not for everything, but in everything, we can get this little thing in our life called entitled. We feel entitled. In other words, entitlement is, is, is believing you deserve more than privileges than you're getting, you know. I deserve more money than I get. I deserve more acknowledgement than I get. I deserve more people need to praise me more than I get. I deserve, I, I deserve more than I get. And when you get that attitude, you start to get self-righteous and sometimes selfish and to start to you know, exclude others and you feel you're better than others. Entitlement is a terrible way to live life because you feel like the world owes you all the time. The world doesn't owe you anything. God's already paid the price. He's given you everything. He's given you everything. And when we, and I found the antidote to entitlement is to give God thanks. The antidote to entitlement is to give, thank God. I'd ask the team to come back. That'd be great. I, I, I love this little story, but it was a true story about a little boy who was blind. And um, he sat at the prominent building on the steps of a prominent building every day. And he had a hat in front of him and people would put money in there. He had a sign he held up. And he says, and the sign basically said, I am blind, please help. And so, you know, there was a few coins in the hat when this man came out of the building, came past and he reached into his pocket and he put some coins in there. And he's about to take a step away from the boy and he had a thought. And he went back to the little boy and he asked, can I have your sign, please? He took the sign off the little boy and he turned it around and he wrote some words. He gave it back to the little boy and the boy stood there, uh, sat there for the rest of the day. And all of a sudden the hat started to fill up. People started to put money in the hat. And so the man at the end of the day had finished work. He's coming past back, past back the little boy. He wanted to see what had happened that day. And the little boy recognized his voice. And the little boy said, what did you do? What did, you, did you write something on my sign? Have you changed the sign? He says, yes, I did. But I didn't change it really to what you said. And the man said, I, wrote, I only wrote the truth. And this is because I wrote this. Today is a beautiful day, but I cannot see it. That's what he wrote. See, the, the, the first sign was true, the boy was blind, but the second sign conveyed to everyone walking by how thankful they should be to see. And, I, and, I, and the story itself is, is great in the sense of we need to be thankful because, to my knowledge, all of us are pretty much, we can see. Our sight might be fading a bit for some of us, but we can see. But today, my heart would be more than just see that... W- you know, the day and be thankful for the day and be thankful for what we got. But to see the reality that today is just not just a day of, oh, this is a nice message, let's walk away. No, no, no. The power of God and the presence of God and the Spirit of the Holy Ghost wants to impart into your revelation that you cannot exist without joy in your life. In actual fact, it's a, sheer, a good sign that you're growing in your faith to have the joy of the Lord in your life. And, and, and that the fact is, is that we need to realize and have a revelation of the truth of just simply opening our mouth and just praising him opening our mouth and give him thanks and open our mouth and talk to him about every care and every need that you have because he cares for you folks and when you do it's amazing what joy will come fill your heart what joy what strength of his joy in your life god's presence is here he's speaking to you about hey come on it's a surrender isn't it say father Maybe today you're facing your little jail like Paul and Silas or some battle or something that's really, maybe depression keeps wanting to knock at the door of your heart and say, you'll never get through this or you'll never do this or this will never happen. I want to tell you, you need to tell the devil where to get off because, you know, you do that when you start to praise him, when you start to give him thanks and you start to commit to him. 
That doesn't mean that you haven't got a part to play, but I tell you, you look at, when you, have, when you allow the joy of the Lord to be your strength, you look at things differently so you can make better decisions. His presence in your life. So today, we're going to sing this, one of these our songs again one more time today. Can we stand? And we're going to just finish with this song that we were singing earlier. But the conviction of my heart is, is that today, as we come to praise Him for this final time today, as we come to lift our hearts and voices, this is the conviction I believe, and I pray with yours, that if you know that there's something just needs to shift, it mightn't be anything to do with yourself or your, your doing, but something needs to shift <coughs> or something needs to happen. And you need to see God will give me, I just need to be reminded daily to just give you praise, to be thankful and to release the burdens and pass those burdens. I'd love to just pray for you this morning where you are. But more than that, I thought as a step of faith today, while we mightn't have to be able to come to the front, but well, maybe we can in the future soon. But I, I'm happy to step out into the aisle where you are and just sing this song and by faith say, Father, I believe in, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to believe for a shift a circumstance to change, whatever it may be, a mindset to be, uh, you know, changed around. So I'd invite you just to, to come as we sing. And I'm just going to pray about halfway through the song and we'll continue to give him thanks. And you know, I believe the presence of God is here to impart something far beyond any person can do in this room. It's the presence of God, His Spirit, Holy Spirit. Come on, you just come and just stand and step out in faith and say, Father, here I am today.